Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. Welcome to the latest podcast on authentic leadership, where I have the pleasure of talking to Janine Garner, who's an absolute thought leader in networking and all things collaboration. Her latest book, It's Who You Know, which is about the 12 key people you need in your network, was in the top 100 business books for in Australia for last year. She is the founder of LBD Group, which is a networking group for women, and she works with some of the largest companies in corporate Australia and around the world. She also has an honorary doctorate of science at Aston University in the UK, which I will talk to her about because I find that hilarious. So welcome, (laughs) Janine. (laughs) Thank you. Wonderful to be here. So on this podcast, I want to explore authentic leadership and what it means to you and also to find out a bit more about you and how you live that. So what what do you think when you think authentic leadership? I love this term, authentic leadership. I think like many business terms, corporate terms, I know jargon's one of your big things, that authentic leadership has become one of those concepts that's being banded about left, right and centre. And so your question about what does it really mean... Um, is a really interesting one because I think there's a lot of people talking about it, Mm. but are they actually walking the talk? To me, authentic leadership fundamentally is about being real. It's about being transparent. It's about being human. It's about understanding that leadership, I think it was Simon Sinek that said leadership is is a title um, and that's all it is. It's your behavior fundamentally. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's it's you're lucky enough or, or you've, you've worked hard enough to achieve a certain level of status or you may even not. You can be a leader every single day. And, and for me, it's that. It's bringing the realness to work. It's not faking it till you make it. It's not hiding behind your business card or your job title. It's actually having um, a willingness and a want to be present as a human being and to be interested in the person at the other side of the table. And with that, a willingness to be vulnerable, to be transparent, and to understand that at the end of the day, is human beings doing business. It's not strategy papers. It's not KPIs, it's not spreadsheets. And to me, that's authentic leadership. It's the realness of being human. Mm, excellent. When I ask that question of CEOs, I get um, mixed responses. In some people say it's actually, it takes a lot of courage and it's hard to be authentic and it's hard to live your values and have the competing values of your personal values and your company values. And others say it's actually quite easy. When you embrace it, you, you're just being yourself. So it's quite hard. Um but on, on, on being true to your values, can you share a time when perhaps you've um, it's been a challenge to stay, stay true to your values mm. and was it hard or was it easy or... Yeah, I think I think uh, your comment there about values is is absolutely true. I think I don't know whether it comes with maturity or age or experience, but all of us have values that when we think about it, we we live and breathe. It's the things that keep us going, and it's the stuff that fights with us, with individuals or situations. And um, life is interesting, isn't it? It throws or puts you in situations where you're constantly being challenged. 
um, internally as to whether you're living life by your values mm. and making decisions by your values or whether you're letting other people dictate the decisions and the values that you make. For me, um, some of mine, when I look back over my corporate career um, and even life really, a lot of those moments where I've been in a place of having to make a big decision that's driven change is where my values have been challenged. Um, I look at the roles that I had corporately um, at senior level and um, I've always been absolutely invested in the people working with me. I Mm -hmm. really believe that each of us has the opportunity to create a ripple of change around us and it is this willingness uh, this courage this bravery to to walk your talk every single day and to um, live and breathe your values so for me um, it's always been about the people around me and enabling them to shine and become better Um, now that sometimes has, has been easier said than done, not necessarily in terms of the people that are working with me, but more in terms of the people that are challenging me mm. and how I'm managing people. So an example where I was challenged, I had this awesome uh, PR person working for me. Uh, I'd recruited this person from the shop floor um, and this person had awesome talent, awesome belief Uh, incredible amounts of potential it just needed to be unleashed Um, the challenge was that this person didn't work your traditional office hours so he wouldn't come into the office at 8 30 but what he did do he would work his butt off Mm. and leave later Um, the other thing is we were dealing internationally so often the international offices open up while the rest of us were at home. And any of you that are working with media understand that the hours are very different. Irrespective of the traditional corporate office hours, he delivered an incredible amount of business. Um, The PR pretty much tripled in the time that we were working together. So as far as I was concerned, he did the work. But he didn't adhere to the corporate rules of office hours and I remember at one stage being asked to discipline him Mm. and I it fought it fought with my value system it fought with my integrity because I couldn't get there was nothing to discipline him about because he was delivering the results Mm. and the performance and we had a fight and I refused to do it Um, and it was really tough because Mm. the easiest thing would have been to follow the rules in terms of me doing what I was expected to do according to that corporate rule system. But for me, I couldn't. It Mm. was actually about enabling him to become even better. It was actually about teaching him about this concept of how do you manage stakeholders around you. And that, to be honest, was probably the start of me transitioning um, out of senior corporate role um, into doing the work that I do now because my integrity was constantly being challenged mm. um, and my values were being challenged. And I wasn't prepared to go home at night feeling yucky about it because to me the people are the most important thing and allowing them to shine and be brilliant is the most important thing. Yeah, it's, it sort of sums up the whole paradox of authentic leadership where it, it does take courage to stay true because there's potentially consequences there for you mm. Um, but then once you've done it, it's sort of like easy because, you, like you said, you want to go home and live with yourself that mm. you've made the right decision. Mm. W- was there a time that you, on reflection, you didn't and you've regretted it? or? Yeah, I think probably in those early days of stepping out on my own, um, 
where in any anybody listening to this that has started something new or started to build a business um, and I didn't I wasn't necessarily doing what I'm doing now in those early days um, it was the hustle it was it was building a client base to fundamentally bring money in the door and in those early days there were a couple of people that I took on as clients that mm. if I'd have taken a moment to listen to my intuition I shouldn't have done because actually they weren't the people I wanted to work with and um but what a wonderful gift to have that realisation of you've got to be courageous enough, no matter at what level in an organisation you are, that if something doesn't feel right, don't do it mm. because your intuition is really powerful. And I think that's one of the key things with this authentic leadership piece is people have to learn to listen to that intuition again. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily something that can be taught because we've lost it. Kids have it. Kids have this incredible amount of intuition. Yeah. And yet as we grow up, it's beaten out of us mm. because we're told to conform. We're told to behave. This is the seven steps to effective leadership. Yeah. This is the 21 steps to X. This is the five things you should. And so it's become a rule book of black and white. Mm. And yet the authenticity, the values, you, you know, you can feel it. And great leaders that I see are the ones that will look at the black and white, will look at the facts and the figures, but intuitively they go, yeah. that's the tipping point of their mm. decision. And mm. it's learning to do that again, which is the brave piece because yeah. sometimes there's no backup for evidence to your decisions. Um, so I've had to say no to work. Yep. I've had to sack clients. Mm. Um, and I've had to say to people, I'm not the right person for you. Mm. Let me introduce you to someone. And that mm. is because my intuition has got stronger and stronger mm. and stronger the more mm. I've practised using it. You, you said at the, the start um, around authentic leadership and it becomes easier. And, and you, I think you said it could be wisdom. Um, and I think there is an element of, you know, one of the benefits of getting older, because, you know, there's not that many, but one of the benefits of getting older older is that you, I think you you can stay true to your values so I think when people start out in their careers there's a lot of fitting in so they will do things they wouldn't normally do to fit in um, and you even said when you go out and start your business it's perhaps you know this you're just starting so you need work you need money so you're, you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do and it's it's as you get more comfortable in your own skin and and you know this this is wisdom and age that you well, I find it, it can it can be easier to stay mm. true to your values. Well, I think that fitting in piece is is to be honest with you taught in the playground. Yeah. Um. I it starts at such a young age. I've I've got a a twelve year old daughter that's just started high school, and she's a little bit different. Mm. And encouraging her to continue to be different, to put her hand up, to do things that no other year seven is doing, is actually a hard thing to do as a parent because you know that standing out um, in terms of doing what you love versus conforming and fitting in is, is that different piece. Yeah, I wonder but where she gets that from. <laughs> I wonder where she gets it from. So it, it is. So it's taught at such a young age and then we're taught that the only way to succeed is to do X, Y, Z. Then we're taught that the only way to get the job is to go here and do that. Yeah. And then we're taught that to fit in at work and to get promoted, we must behave like this. And that's where we all end up becoming generic and boring. Yeah. And actually what business wants is people to have an opinion, to have ideas, to stand out, to be different. And so in the work that we're both doing, it's, mm. it's redefining that, it's refinding it, it's unleashing it again, and it's bringing to the service what for so long has not 
being allowed to be shown. Yeah. Um, and so authentic leadership is all of that. It's about it's about walking your talk and really following through on what it is that yeah. you believe. I, th- I think one of the things um, that goes hand in hand when people talk about authentic value, uh, leadership as opposed to values is the vulnerability mm. piece. So um, has there been... When, when do you feel the most vulnerable, either in work or life, but when you feel the most vulnerable? And perhaps when that's, you feel you've been the most courageous as well. Oh, I think there's various times. I think the the challenge, whether you're in a corporate situation or you're building your business or you've got a new venture, is acknowledging that life is highs and lows, mm. that there are moments of just wonderful high-five moments. And at the same time, it is very likely that you're going to hit that dip in or that funk, as I call it, and it's how to get out of it. And for me, in those situations, what I've learned to do is stop and think about what I'm learning from it. So, you know, even in the, the last few, I remember in the early days of, of building my own business, um, the vulnerability piece was literally surrounded by this concept of finance and cash and how mm. am I going to keep going. And the fear of how am I going to pay for X, Y, and Z um, was was horrible. And I had to have an open conversation with with my with our family. So I remember sitting down at the dinner table as a family. We had to make some tough decisions about moving home, um, about what we weren't going to do yep. because Mum had this dream, which thankfully my <laughs> husband fully supported. And it was we're going to dig deep and do it. And it's bloody scary, but geez, I'm going to give it a hot a good hot go um it's also with yourself um you know admitting that you're tired admitting that you need help admitting that things are a bit scary um we just before we went on this 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 uh interview i showed you a video and that is vulnerable (laughs) because it's like oh my god Mm. this is stuff i can't share and i'm sharing with you Mm. and it's that that crazy space so to me i think it's an ongoing piece and it's part of that that growth and that learning and what i've learned particularly about myself i i speak a lot uh, to audiences large and small and what I've learned about myself particularly over the last 18 months is that the more I share stories about interesting your thought yeah. leadership the more I share stories about my stuff about the times where things haven't gone right about the moments where I have messed up um, the more real it, it becomes and the more engaged people are but for some reason and don't forget I'm English and north of English and a woman in this space we, we fake it we, we forget to tell this stuff because yeah, we think we we're do. showing our vulnerability is a sign of weakness yeah. and I'm learning and I think this is where the wisdom piece comes in where it's like I actually couldn't care yeah. this is me like me or not like me mm. but I will always be true and honest with what I think and what I believe in yeah. and to me that's where the, the true power exists mm. I think those stories of vulnerability Vulnerability of 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 Harry having the courage to share when you have been vulnerable vulnerable is so powerful for leaders. I, one of the things I talk about when I'm working with senior leaders is like the more senior you become, the more important it is to share stories of when you haven't mm. done it right and when you haven't got it right and when you have been scared and that's vulnerability because what it does. You know, it makes you more human, it makes you more approachable, and what it's saying to your people is, you know, what you're going through, I've been through. So, and I think that would be the same with you, you you know, the work you do with your, the women you mentor and the people you mentor, they would look at you, they would look at your life, they would see the social media stuff and go, wow, like you would never feel vulnerable, but of course you know Mm -hmm. that's not true. So just just, um, swapping to the work, so you're the CEO of LBD Group, um, 
and you mentor women. And I know, and we do some collaboration together on some women in leadership programs. I just wanted to ask your thoughts on why you think it's taking Australia so long to close the gap with gender diversity. Because I, I, I know for me, and I'm, I'm sure it's for you, we've been talking about closing the gap for, I don't know, a good 20, 30 years, and it doesn't seem to be closing that it's, much. It's not. We, we think the dial is shifting, but when you look at the figures, it's not shifting at no. all. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit over the mm. ongoing conversation, and I'm a little bit over the fact that International Women's Day is just around the corner and it'll be the same conversation, it'll be the same people on the front cover, it'll be the same debate about yeah. childcare and pay and this, that and the other. Um, I think part of the challenge is it is multifaceted um, and it's there's so many elements to this. Um, it's, it's the unconscious culture of organisations mm. that has been created over time where... It goes back to your values piece. We're saying one thing, but we're not necessarily doing it. Um, and as much as senior leaders are saying they want the change, the reality is when you look at the stats, it's really slow. And there are people ticking boxes to say they are involved in diversity. There are people sitting on panels to say they're involved in diversity. But when you delve deep, there's no real change happening. I think um, as women, um, we equally need to take some responsibility. Um, we keep quiet, mm. we play the blame game, we make the glass ceiling the excuse, um, and therefore we don't take action. And there are awesome women out there. Um, I work with loads of them, I see them in my network, and none of us see gender. We just go for it, yeah. we're just following our dream. And yet in the work that I do, and we see in the work that we do together, um, women keep quiet. Mm. Um, women aren't putting their hand up. If you want it, go for it. And I think a lot of that is because of their unconscious beliefs yeah. Yeah. of that I have to be a great mum and to be a great mum I must be at home and I am the one that has to do everything in the house. Mm. And there's all of this stuff going on that is really hard to deal with. So you've got corporate unconscious culture beliefs you've got leaders that are still there that have grown up in a world of men at work women at home you've got women that are wanting it but won't believe in themselves enough. Yeah. I was doing a course yesterday I was running a workshop yesterday of high performing women women that have been identified to take the next level of director in an organization every single one of them felt an imposter Every single one of them. It's a common, common Every single one of them. And I spoke to the CEO who happened to be male and his jaw dropped. He's like, really? Mm. Why? And this is the problem. It's this self-belief piece. The other the other thing too is, is that we are currently have an awesome generation of kids coming out of school that don't see gender, they don't see race, they don't see any of that stuff. And what worries me more is that they're about to enter a workplace that sees it. That sees it. Mm. And this is why, in my mind, we're seeing so many women leaving the workplace. This is why we're seeing this drive towards entrepreneurial life. This is why people are going, I don't want that. Yeah. And so it's, it's a massive issue. And with this massive issue, we can all go, it's all too hard. Mm. Um, the way I've decided to tackle it is very much make sure that every single day I am raising awareness about possibility and potential. I make sure I speak up, and that's what I encourage the women in my world to do, is if you see it, speak it out. Yeah. Because we 
as women have unconscious bias. Mm, Our beautiful men have unconscious bias. But the only way we're ever going to get anywhere is to work together and actually make it an issue. I was speaking on the... uh, on a panel last week or the week before, which was all about the future of women at work. And it was backed up by stat after stat after stat. And I walked in and I looked at the guest list and the audience was 99.5% women. And I said to the organisers, where are the guys? They said to me, we've invited the CEOs, but they're not here. Mm. This is the problem. We're talking about it, but we're actually not engaging in conversation and debate about it. It's all still very one-dimensional. Excellent. I can see you're very passionate (laughs) about that, which is great. Um, So as CEO and as, you know, someone who's left the corporate Mm. world and an entrepreneur and doing speaking around the world and training and doing the great, great stuff, what, what would you say is the hardest part of your job? I think that the hardest part of my job is, to be honest, maintaining my own energy. Um, I love what I do. Um, I, you know, if you were to put me in a box, you probably would say I'm a workaholic. I'm very driven. I feel like um, I'm constantly learning and growing. I have a passion for learning. I have a passion for people. Um, And I give a lot of myself in whatever situation. And so what I've learned about myself, um, particularly over the last couple of years, and therefore the hardest part of my job, is knowing that as important as doing great work is looking after myself, because I cannot do great work if I don't look after myself. So when I get great sleep, when I have time to think, when I have time to refresh, um, then my energy is at its best. And the hardest part of it is actually sticking to that and not just managing clients, but managing people around me Mm. that want me to go out and do this and do that and do the other and actually go, no, I'm really happy tonight sitting on the sofa eating pizza, hanging out with my kids, thank you very much. And so for me, it really is that. But I've learned the hard way um, that actually the next growth for me is absolutely being true to this and managing my energy so that I can keep doing what I love doing. Excellent. You you talked just in there about um, your love of learning, which, you know, brings me to your honorary (laughs) doctorate of science. Tell me a bit about that and what it felt (laughs) like to get an honorary doctorate because I would love an honorary doctorate and call myself doctor without having to do the actual PhD. (laughs) And the funny thing is I very rarely call myself doctor. What does it say about me? I should and apparently I'm a Dr. Janine Garner. I do have a bit of fun in it where I put it on my... uh, on my airplane ticket. And then I got the fear that something would happen on a plane one day and they'd ask, is there a doctor on the plane? And it'd be called, called forward. Yeah. Um, but I you, you are the queen of collaboration, so I'm sure I'd find you somebody. Could, find somebody. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. For, for me, it was, it was probably one of the most special moments, to be honest. Is I come from a very working-class family in the north of England. Uh... I grew up not traveling. Um, My world was the village I grew up with in. My dad was a farmer and I pretty much was the farmer's girl that um, was just went through school Mm. um, and had a dream of of doing more. And I was the first of my family to go to university. And I distinctly remember I was on it at the time, the UK government would pay grants for kids that couldn't afford to go. So I got a full grant from the UK government to help me get through university. But I had to put myself through all the other stuff. Um, I remember distinctly turning up at uni and going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
everyone's so awesome. Who am I? Why should I be imposter here? Syndrome. Total imposter syndrome. You know, all these kids from amazing schools that knew everybody. Um, and I distinctly remember that imposter syndrome. And so through uni, I worked really hard to prove myself. Interestingly then, and I kept a low profile but worked hard. Interestingly then, when I look at my corporate career, it was all about proving myself. It was mm. all about proving I was good enough. And then I go out on my own and the same thing happens. It's all about proving I can do this. It's putting in the effort and the hard work. And not only doing my work, I set up a non-for-profit. I talk passionately about leadership and women. And I would just put myself out there constantly, though, still feeling an imposter. And then one day, out of the blue, I get this letter um, from the vice chancellor of my uni that basically says we would like you to come to England. We want to give you an honorary doctorate of science degree and we want you to speak um, at the graduation ceremony to the new graduates. I, I burst into tears, Raoul. Mm -hmm. I absolutely burst into tears, uncontrollable mm -hmm. crying. And it was a combination of, oh, my God, I've been noticed. Yeah. Um, but also a, a realisation that that the work that I'm doing matters. And my child, my little boy walked in and went, what's wrong, Mummy? Like, it's OK, Mummy's just really happy. Interestingly, I then went over to the UK in the July. I had to wear one of those crazy Harry Potter-style hats. <laughs> I was in the procession. It was so surreal. In the procession into the town hall in Birmingham. We then welcomed and I had to shake the hands of all these people and then I had to get up and give this this speech to these, you know, new graduates. And I remember asking, asking why? There's the imposter syndrome again. Why, why me? And they literally said, because we've been watching the work that you've been doing. Wow. And... Um, it, it, it is a moment that will actually go down for me as being one of the most special acknowledgements mm. of the work that I am doing. Um, and it keeps me going because the fact I still get contacted, there's an event here in Sydney, they're setting up alumni here. Um, but very surreal, mm. very surreal. And it very could surreal. be one of those things when you do spend your life, you know, trying to prove yourself and, and I'm a bit similar and I think, you know, I think in the end, you know, isn't everyone trying to prove themselves yeah. to their parents that they're okay? <laughs> um, and that must have been such a beautiful moment to say, yeah, maybe I'm doing some good, maybe I'm okay, which is great. Hey, wanna, Janine, want to spend the last couple of minutes just asking a few quick questions so perhaps the audience can get to know you a bit more mm -hmm. and what they, what they, uh, you, they might not know. So um, you've talked about you, you, your idea of a great night is, you know, pizza, watching the movies with your kids. What's, what's one other thing that you either really love or you really hate that people may not know about you? <laughs> I think when people see you on stage, you'll experience this. When people see you on stage, they see you in the media. Uh, I have a networking business. I'm all about networking collaboration. The total opposite to that. No, that I hate, love is I love oh. being on my own. <laughs> I <people>. absolutely <laughs> love being on my own. Yeah. And I think it's to do, it was, I was um, having a chat with um, uh, Peter Baines, the CEO of Hands Across the Water the other day, and we were talking about this concept of people fatigue. where mm. And it links to energy where you're giving so much to other people that sometimes you just need to be on your own to re-energise. So for me, people always laugh. They go, what? Do you like being on your own? You're an introvert? Mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I quite like the silence. Um, so it's that bit, and I've learned to learn to embrace yeah. embrace the JOMO, the joy of missing out. Absolutely, I, I love it. And again, mate, we, we're talking a lot about you know the great things about getting older. <laughs> it was like you know people, yeah, you want to do this, and you go, nah. 
Nah, and I mean, Pierre, what do you got on the weekend? And you go, nothing, which is great. <laughs> I love having I nothing love to do the weekend. To. Um, do you have a favourite quote? I love quotes, so I always ask people. I do. My, my absolute favourite, Marion Williamson, when she said, our biggest fear is not our own inadequacy. Our biggest fear is that we are more powerful beyond measure. Mm. Our playing it small does not serve the world any purpose. When we allow ourselves to shine, we allow others to shine too. And I love that because for me, that sums up the work that I do and it sums up my wish for the people I work with. Excellent. And it's a long quote and you remembered it, which is really good. Um, you mentioned before, one of my things is corporate jargon that I hate. Do you have a, do you have a corporate jargon phrase you absolutely hate? I just hate the concept of human capital. Oh, We're no. not cows. We're human resources. Oh, I just, like, yeah. seriously? Every yeah. time I hear that being said, I, like, cringe. And the other one is, it's a hard stop. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? We need to finish it a hard, hard four <laughs> as opposed to a soft four. A bit more about you on the personal thing. The one meal you love cooking. Oh, I hate cooking. I hate cooking. I don't cook. I reckon last year I probably cooked no more than five meals the whole year. I hate mm. it. Absolutely mm. hate it. Food, food is just a power source for me. <laughs> So one other one other quote you probably live by is it takes three months to get scurvy. Do you say that? <laughs> My husband's an awesome cook. Oh, Thank well, God for excellent. him. Excellent. That's teamwork. Teamwork. What's your favourite 80s song or artist? I just love the 80s in its entirety. Yeah, Anyone that comes to my workshop, God help them. But my favourite is A Heart Take On Me. Oh, I love <laughs> a bit of Take On Me, a little bit. Do, 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 do. That's right. Anyway, we'll stop now. Um, final question. If you could give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? Uh, for me, it would absolutely be believe in yourself sooner and go for it sooner. And anyone that is in their 20s, find someone to help you get there and believe it. So I wish someone had told me to get a mentor or a coach mm -hmm. because um, the belief piece is the thing that allows you to be exactly what it is you want to be. Excellent. That's great advice. Well, thank you, Janine. It's been a wonderful interview. Um, when you said you keep proving yourself, part of me says go, wants to say go easy on yourself because you've already done it. But then the other part of me is keep trying to prove yourself because I know the more you do that, the more people you are serving and helping and the impact that you continue to have on, on the women around you and um, all the people that you you support and you serve. So thank you for being part of the podcast. Thank you so much. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.